Hello, welcome to Commission Over Coffee, where we engage in an ongoing conversation with key leaders who are making disciples in Florida and across the globe. Welcome to Commission Over Coffee, where we are having a conversation about the Great Commission. I am Sean Walker, joined by Dan Alvers, and our special guest today is Mike Brunges. Mike is planting a church in Greater New Haven, Connecticut. They will be a church plant of the PCA, specifically Christ Presbyterian Church of New Haven and Mission Anabino. And if you would like to get in contact with Mike, you can do that by emailing him at mike.brunges at anabino.org. That is mike.brunges at anabaino.org. Or you can visit his website, thebrunges.com, that is V-B-R-U-N-J-E-S.com. Mike, thank you for being with us today, and I'll turn it over to you, Dan. Mike, I'm glad to have you on today. I want to ask you a few questions and start out with the basic ones, like what's your story? <laughs> Basically, before you planted this church or came to the point where you want to plant this church, um, where what, what happened with you? Where did you come from? How did you come to know the Lord? Who discipled you? You fill in the blanks. Yeah, sure. Um, I appreciate you uh, having me. And uh, I mean, basically, uh, I was raised by, well, I would say when I was born, um, my my parents, my mom was a non-practicing Jew and my dad kind of a, a marginalized, marginal Catholic. Um, so that's kind of the family I was born into. And I think, you know, I have two younger brothers as my parents begin to have more children. Uh, the you know the question came up like you know how 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 will we raise these kids and so uh, actually my earliest memory of of church in in any way um, is at First Baptist Church of Fort Lauderdale um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that they have a big cool Christmas pageant and everything and uh, you know basically I, I remember being in in children's church and you know course, you know, who, who, if, if hell is real, who wants to go there? And so, um, I, I said, I, I did not want to go there. And, uh, so went through kind of a wordless book, uh, or, uh, all the salvation colors kind of thing. And, and that was my first real memory, um, in church. Um, so, so, you know, moving on, I would say that, that grounded me somewhat, um, and uh, and then went to a summer camp of all of all things. And, and having worked in student ministry myself, I have uh, mixed opinions on summer camps. So, you know, it's kind of ironic that God had, had used that in my life. Um, but I was uh, I was in just finishing middle school, kind of in a in a weird place because of uh, some things that were happening in my life and uh, and and really, you know, gave my life to Christ at, at this summer camp, really, would, would be the first time that I, the, the difference that I would say between what happened uh, in, in the children's ministry and what happened in, in the, at this summer camp is, is I had a very, very large awareness of my sin at camp. And that is because I was, I was participating in things and relationships um, 
that, that I was very aware were wrong. And so um, I definitely realized that I was doing things that were separating me from God. And I had a very real awareness that my, my actions were separating me from God. And so it kind of made, started to, to make sense then that there, there's a way for that, that sin to be overcome and, and for that separation from God to be, to be bridged. Um, and so that, that, that's what happened at this summer camp. And, um, uh, I was, uh, you know, in a, in a, with a youth pastor that, that was great, that I loved very much. So I still, um, talk to a, a little bit. And that's, that's really where my, you know, it's been fits and starts since then. Uh, I, I definitely, but that's, that's where, you know, things took root. And honestly, at that same camp next year, so this is kind of a funny story, uh, at least to me. Uh, so, well, anyway, the, this, <laughs> not funny, that, that might've been the wrong word to describe it, but the, uh, so next year at the same camp, there's a, a speaker up there at, at the camp and he says, uh, you know, who's going to take my place when, uh, when I'm gone, when I'm not speaking at these camps anymore, you know, talking to, to us, the students. And I think I was a freshman in high school and I thought to myself, well, I, I could do that, you know, so I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take place. And, and then, you know, they're the, the, well, here's the funny part that the youth pastors, uh, you know, they're given the camp report and said, Oh, we have a student who's, who's dedicated his life to ministry at the summer camp. And I'm thinking, Oh, that's awesome. Who, who, who did that? Yeah. And, uh, Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's kind of, and then, but, but God in, in, in that and God calling me to himself and calling me to ministry, you know, that, that's kind of how it's worked is that, you know, along the way, there's points that you can reflect on and say, you know, God, God was faithful. And even though I had no idea maybe what was going on, the Lord was, using that um and and even that that speaker who who said that i mean he's he's not in the ministry and so to think back on that to say you know god is always raising up people and we're not even aware sometimes of of the work that he's doing in our own lives or in the lives of those um around us so so that's that's kind of you know i how it came my since you know my my parents are both believers now um god God is gracious to, that my whole family's believers um and and use use these experiences to not just call me to himself but but my mom and dad um as well so it's it's he, he's been very very gracious well let's let's kind of further that discussion a little bit. We talked about how the Lord is bringing him bringing you to himself and the different things that he used and the means that he used to do that. And and some marvelous in our stories, the way those things work out. So kind of give us the storyline or the way that the Lord drew you to church planting and, and how did that happen? Like, what was it like to come through the process of, man, I should, I should be planting a church. Yeah. So that's, that's a, an interesting question, you know? Um, so, so get, so from that, you know, being told I gave my life to ministry, I guess I believed it. And kind of was on that, you know, felt felt like, okay, that was something God was calling me to do. And so when it came time uh, to go to college, I had uh, a, a friend, I'll, I'll give him a shout out, Jesse Crowley, who I, I think you know as well, who was a year ahead of me in high school. And he went to the Baptist College of Florida. And I, I didn't know anything about it. And I went to visit Jesse and... Uh, Hey, BCF is an awesome place, you know, but 
it was uh thinking back on it it's pretty crazy that i wound up there i will say um and you know at the time it was like you could go there and get a biblical studies degree or i mean i don't know what else you could get there at the time really i mean it was a bible college and so for me being being down in in south florida in the middle of nowhere it, it seemed like um what the heck are you going to do was was the question yeah, like what, what, what do you, what, what's your, what, why are you doing this? And, and my answer was always, well, I guess I'm going to start a church. And I didn't, I didn't know church planting as the, um, the industry that it is now, you know, with all of the, I mean, there's so much out there at the time. I was just like, yeah, it just made sense to me that you would go and you would go just start a church where there was no church or you would go teach the Bible where people, where the Bible wasn't being taught. Um, and, and at the time I had no idea what that meant. Like <laughs> I had no idea about assessment centers and coaching and networks and, and anything like that, you know? And, and, and like, that was still back when everybody still wanted to church planting wasn't, um, what it was then, but that, that was kind of just like, you know, what, what it would, what, what I said. And, uh, and so here's where, you know, the story starts to get a little interesting, but, um, you know, so went to the Baptist college of Florida, got a great, um, education foundation in, in the Bible there. And, uh, after college, um, moving back home, I actually started attending a, a teacher. Uh, and, um, uh, I, at the time I said, I wanted to do church planning, but it sounded like, like a, uh, like a fantasy. You know, I, I was like, how I said, I want to do this, but I don't know how you're going to, you know, the, the thought of going somewhere and just starting a church and it just didn't seem real to me. Um, but when I started building a relationship with a the pastor um, there uh, and sharing with him about about church plant, this desire to church plant, I, I learned at that point that that there are many people who are passionate about church planting and and networks and and systems that actually can make it a reality. I mean, obviously God is sovereign, but but there's there's people and things, and so. Um, at that time when I graduated college, I, I did, which in our, you know, I'm, I'm ordained in the PCA now, but in, in this, in the PCA, I was brought under care of the presbytery. And, uh, the, the pastor said, do you want to be under care of the presbytery? And I said, what's a presbytery? You know, I had no idea. And so that was really, um, the first time, like, it could happen, that it wasn't just me and some crazy fantasy that would take, you know, some some miracle which it does take now now that i i mean not saying it doesn't it still takes a miracle but um you, you, i don't know if that makes sense if, if i'm just rambling but um yeah and so coming into the pca like god's just been good to um to for me this is how he provided um a home for me and 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 uh the the, the way that the pca does church planting is, is pretty cool and is really really was allowing me to see, okay, not only is this something that God had stirred in me, but it was something he was doing in many churches and, and in many people. And that call all kind of, I guess, came together um, in, in that way. So help me then understand New England. You're, are you from New England? What happened there? I, I know for me, New England became a big part of my prayer life at one time just because in seminary we just talked about how lost it was. So what 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 drew you to New England? Why why is your heart bent towards that area? Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. Um so I am a native South Floridian. 
um, lived in South Florida my whole life. I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida now. And so every time I tell someone that I'm going to New England, the first thing they say to me is, you know, it's cold there. And I was like, yeah, I've heard that. Um, so New England actually is not something that uh, that I had. I have no I mean, I, now now that we're in it, I'm, there's more connections that, that God is surfacing. But but in the beginning of this process, it was not a. A, a thing. It, it was not something that that I I was thinking about. And uh, part of um, in the PCA church planting, the the PCA and uh, Mission in North America has a church planner um, assessment that you go through. And I don't know if we'll maybe talk about that a little bit. But um, if you, I, I did that almost a year ago. And if you would have said a year ago, you know, you're going to be planting a church in. Connecticut, I would have probably said, well, where's Connecticut? You know, I just, I, I had no intention of that. Um, through going through the process and through, through uh, meeting people, talking to people, like-minded people, um, I got connected uh, with a church planting movement in New England called Mission Anabino and um, went and, and talked with them and went, went and visited uh, them, they're based out of New Haven, Connecticut, started by Christ Presbyterian Church in New Haven, and went and visited. And one was totally struck by the need. Um, it, it's amazing in in, in our country, and, and even down here in Florida, there's churches everywhere. But in, in New England, that, that was one thing I could not get over was the need for gospel-centered churches. And then just the uh, the way that they were planting churches and kind of the the community they were in it was just something that I felt like God was really calling me to um, so what are some things that scare you to death then about church planting well the 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 first the first one and this is in all seriousness um, going to New England is the winter uh, because we we have been down here in in Florida for our whole lives and so um, but I think that's a bigger thing of just going to a, a place that's unknown to us. Um, you know, right now we're, we're really praying that God would enable us to love a place that we don't yet know. So I think that's, that's the, that's the first thing. And then, and then beyond that, I mean, when I look in the mirror and think, you know, on, on my bad days, uh, when I think, okay, well, you know, you're, you're going to be the one who gets a church started. It's like, yeah, that, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, that's, that, you know, that's kind of the, the, the thought life that you deal with, you know, when your eyes constantly fix on, on who Jesus is. You know, when, when I look at myself, I see something very not good. And when I look to Christ, you know, I see, I see him. But I, I think that that's, that's the, the big, that's a big fear, you know, is, is that it is, it is kind of an entrepreneurial venture in some degree. So you're saying, okay, you know, how do I, I need to go there and God's calling me there and, and we're going to try and start this church. But at the same time, it, but if we don't, it's not going to get started. So I think there's a lot of that kind of balance, if, if that makes sense, that you re, that I've wrestled through at least, and then going, uh, and how do I drive in the snow? We have, we have really significant relationships here in Florida. Um, our church family, um, our friends, our, our immediate family, we're super close with our immediate family. And so, uh, you know, there's an element where you're saying, okay, I'm leaving all of this behind because I believe that God has called me to this place to do this thing that is a miracle to see happen, you know? 
and and it's that battle to believe that God is going to do through His Word and and His Spirit what what we think He's going to do. Amen. As it reminds me of my favorite PCA church planter, Tim Keller, who said, or when people would always ask him, are you going to plant a church in New York City? And he said, I don't know yet. It's not planted. <laughs> There's some heavy tension in that, in that in those truths. Well, speaking of that, what's the church planning process in your denominational structure? Like, how does that start? I mean, we've talked a little bit about that, but uh, is there ways that is there different tracks that you're going to go on other than what you've already done? Do you go there as an intern? How does that work? What's that look like? So, I mean, I'll I'll speak for my own personal experience. I don't want to sound like the, you know the authority on church planting in, in the PCA because to some degree I I am learning it myself. Um, but I will say that so as I shared uh, the PCA. Um, what would be equivalent to our NAM or North American Mission Board is uh, MNA, Mission to North America. And uh, a couple times a year, they have a church planter assessment. So this assessment, it's not, it's not required for you to plant a church. And uh, it, they don't place you in, in, once you go through it, they don't place you. But, but it's very, uh, there's a lot of weight put on it by, by different, you know, people and things like that. And so um, you we went to this assessment and it's, I think it's like four days and it, it's, I will say if there's anybody listening, it is for my, for April and I, it was a great experience. Um, we just, they, they kind of turn you inside out for four days and, and try, you know, and, and, and try and really get to know you. And, uh, and so we were nervous going in, but um, uh, we decided, Hey, we're just going to lean into it because it's better for something ugly to surface now than when we've raised a bunch of money and moved to another state, you know, and and then it surfaces. So that that was our approach going into it. So we did that, and uh, we we met some really good friends there, people we still keep in contact with. I I highly recommend it. I went, you know, we we went through it. It was a great experience. Um, so um, anyway, so we we did that, and uh, and then. Uh, you know, we, you know, I think I, I would probably summarize it that, that the, you know, the PCA really believes in, in churches or the church planting other churches. So, uh, there's, you know, instead of kind of, kind of a, a lone ranger approach, I'm just going to go to a city and, and just do this thing. So, um, so what happened was at the, at that point for us, we kind of started hanging and talking with with cities and presbyteries and churches that were interested in seeing churches planted in their area, um, and kind of um, you know submitting to the collective wisdom of the church. Like there's something scary to me about God speaking to me in, in my room one night saying go to this place and like nobody else has heard that but me, you know. Um, that, that that's so so I I really appreciate you know how this all has has gone down but um so as we you know we just started talking to people and and so it's kind of um you know there was a that we we got in contact with Christ Presbyterian Church in New Haven and and uh and and we will join them the first year we're there we um kind of a church planter in residence situation um uh learning from them getting some of that ministry DNA being able to figure out uh, where we live, just kind of knowing our neighborhood, 
knowing our, our area. I think that that's so important to really listen to the neighborhood, listen to where you are and, uh, and kind of, kind of become a good neighbor before you, before you become a church planter, I guess is maybe a way I would say it. But, um, so that's, that's what we're, what we're doing, you know, so in the PCA, you know, there's churches that plant churches, there's presbyteries that plant churches, but I will say it's always done, whether it's a presbytery, whether it's a local church, it's a church planting a church. And, and so to me, that's, that's a, such a good way to go about it. So speaking on that and with the direction that you're headed with this uh with this idea in your heart what are some unique struggles to planting a church in Connecticut and and in New England as a whole so it, like in these kind of questions I, I don't want to sound like an authority on New England but I have done some research we've spent we've spent some time there you know um New England is is very much an unreached region of this country uh I think the average church attendance or evangelical church attendance is like 3.7 percent in the in the New England region or so, something like that. Um, and so I think that that just in general, um, there's not a it, it's post-Christian. There's there's not a Christian consciousness there. You know, um, there's not a farm system of people who are just ready to go plant churches. That it's it's very much. Um, almost like scratch church planting, you know, going there one at a time, meeting people, sharing the gospel with them. Um, and, and it's a place that in the history of our country that, that has seen pretty significant Christian life. And now it's, it's kind of left. Um, you know, Jonathan Edwards preached the most famous sermon in America in the, in the Connecticut river Valley, you know, and, uh, and so now that's, so, you know, I, I'm still exploring how that would affect the New England consciousness, if you will, you know, those kind of things lingering in their past. If that's something to build on, if that's if that's what what kind of effect does that have? Um, but I think I think that would be would be the, the big thing, um, just going to a post Christian context where, you know, there's there's not a lot of the uh the shared values of Christianity, even from non-Christian people. I, I think that's how you would describe, you know, post someplace being post-Christian. So um, I think that that will be a unique, a unique struggle. And, and for us, not not having lived there, you know, we, we don't have family there. Um, so, it, you know, and, and as I've been sharing with people this story of church planting, you know, it's amazing how many people, though, have said to me, well, I know this person in Connecticut or I know this person. So God's already developing kind of a, a, a network of relationships for us. That's pretty cool. Um, but I think that will be the thing is, is really for, for us, we just really want to figure out how do we go there and contribute, um, you know, how we want to plant a church that exists for our, our neighborhood. We don't want to view the neighborhood we're moving into as existing for our church. And so I think it'll take some time to really figure out what that means. Yeah, that kind of leads to one of the other questions I was going to ask is like, what does it look like to bring the gospel to New England? And what's the lostness look like on the ground? We've all heard those stats. Is that just something you don't know yet? Is that something you've begun the process of figuring out? And what are some steps you're going through to fit? That's some stuff. That's some stuff you got. All, all church planners have to think through. Yeah. So I, I can speak again as someone who's, 
researched and and had some conversations um admittedly not yet living in it um but but i definitely think new england is 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 very liberal in its philosophies and and a very liberal bent to it um but from what i understand it it's it's east coast liberal as opposed to like west coast liberal san francisco those kind of places you know um in new england it seems there's it's it's very much still socially advantageous to be a moral upstanding person um so it's not as much like you're going there to find yourself and express yourself and and try and and do all these experiments with your identity um it's it's a very much seems to be a a works righteousness type of liberal if you could if that's possible you know where um where you know you still um you know and it has the influence of of where will be is is kind of right between New York City and Boston so it has the influence of of the world of finance and all those other things that take place there and so i would say it's a very driven culture you know a self-made and and that's seen as a as a value that's seen as a as a positive thing you know and 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 almost this i would think this message of of passivity sometimes that comes from receiving rather than that you know intrinsic to the gospel this receiving is almost maybe a little confusing i mean i think it manifests itself in 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 different ways you know i think um you know and and it's hard like you don't want to stereotype whole (laughs) regions of the country (laughs) you know when you talk about these things but but i think it is a a place where people go i mean um if you include you know New York City, I think, you know, from New York uh, and going north, you have Yale, uh, Harvard, MIT, all in the New England area. Um, and so so academics and those sorts of things are huge. And and so there's a lot that goes along with that, you know, where where in, in the south, maybe if we're going to be stereotypical, you know, the 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 nicer to people you are, the more blessings from God you'll get, where in the northeast, if just the smarter you are, the more blessings from God you'll get, you know, and, and so you have these kinds of, of things. Um, and that's, you know, I think that that's part of the, the work of moving into a place and, and really, um, listening and, and getting into the stories of people and kind of saying, okay, where, where is that, that propensity that we all have to want to save ourselves? How is this manifesting itself in my particular community? All right, dude, what are some books then you've been reading? What's been instructive for you in church planning, maybe even in the culture that you're stepping into? Is there things that you're already um, gathering in terms of resources to inform you on those kinds of issues? You know, we mentioned Tim Keller. I read his book on preaching, which I think um, I really benefited from, and, you know, his ideas about how, how we communicate in kind of this post-Christian time where, where we don't have the value consensus that maybe maybe we once had so so Keller's book on preaching um I've I've really been uh thinking about um this this idea of people be being able to have a place to belong even before they believe that that almost thinking as the the church the church body itself doing the work of evangelism. Um, I, I've read a book called The Celtic Way of Evangelism. It might be a little offbeat, but um, it's very interesting how, how the, you know, I think the Celts compared to, they didn't feel like they had to civilize people in order to bring the gospel to them. 
but they they translated the gospel in, into maybe the uncivilized um, context of the people they were trying to reach. So so that's one. And uh, and one one book I read, you know, we, as I was thinking about this books, and and here here I'll I'll give you a, a maybe a really random one. And uh, I actually read this book while we were going through assessment. Um, uh, it's Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance, <laughs> which is all about dating in the uh, in the world of of technology. And the reason I read that is because, like, I was thinking about, you know, BCF, when, when, when Jesse and I lived in the dorm, like, we had to call AT&T and subscribe to get internet in our dorm, you know, like, wasn't in there already. Like, can you imagine that now going to a college that didn't have internet? I mean, that, that's crazy, right? But so anyway, that, that book, though, it, it kind of talks about the struggles that, that young people in particular are having dating in this world of, Tinder and Snapchat and texting and it kind of reminded me that 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 you know you can get so far away from the realities that people are living in that you don't even know how to talk to them anymore. And so you know as I'm reading this book I'm going are you like if so when I'm sitting down like with a college student like this is the reality that they're the context that their relationships are existing in like I can't even believe that but Anyway, that was maybe like a random offbeat book, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good to kind of remember, you know, and, and put yourself in another person's story sometimes and see, okay, I, I need to understand their reality before I even know how to apply the gospel to it in some, some circumstances. That's a random one, not a church plant, but, and it's funny. So maybe a few crass parts. So if you buy the book, don't like necessarily blame me if there's some offensive parts in it. A good look into that uh, into that world. All right, all right. I got one final question. Well, you know what? I want to ask this question first because I think it's so important for church planners or people thinking about church planning to hear. How are you pastoring your wife and family through this process? Like, I'm sure, and I know she has to have been at least scared in some degree. Like, my husband wants to do what, and we're going to live where, and what? Anyways, speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I will say I do it sometimes well and sometimes like horribly um, not to get too far into it, but we actually turned down this opportunity to go to new England before we accepted it because we, April was unsure about the whole thing. Um, uh, we, we booked our trip to go visit there. And then between the time we booked the trip and the time we visited, we found out that we we're expecting our third child. So there was a lot of major life things happening all at the same time and um and, and so personally i try to uh to listen and and validate whatever fears and and experience that she's that she's expressing at the moment you know that that just because i don't understand how something could be scary doesn't mean that it's not scary um so so that's one and and really trying to give her space to experience this whole adventure in the way she's going to experience it, um, not how I think she should be experiencing it, and that, that's again where I fall down sometimes. So, you know, and then and then really just trying to talk, trying to you know pray for her. That's a discipline that I've I've started that I haven't always been good at through the course of our marriage, but intentionally praying specific things for her, um, and and giving her space to talk to people she trusts as well. And saying, look, 
you know, I trust you that you're not going to, you know, slander me. So go ahead and just share whatever you need to share. It's kind of a thing we've tried to develop. And then, and then again, in, in, in the, in the PCA, there's a ministry, which she's not formally a part of right now, but, but we've researched it and they, they coach church planters wives. And that's something that I think we'll look at getting involved in. And, and they published a book called Beyond Duct Tape. Uh, that April has kind of read a little bit and we've, we've talked through some of that stuff. So, um, I would say those are, those are some of the main things that we've, that we've done, um, through this, through this whole thing. Yeah. Well, tell us, how can churches help you? Like, what are some ways? Obviously, we're going to say prayer, but, uh, how can they help? What are some things? Is there anything tangible? Is there anything they can pray specifically for? How can churches help? How can people help? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and and like what I'm learning as as I'm walking through this is that some like when I've talked to missionaries before and they always say you can pray for us I've always felt like well that's just what you have to say before you ask for money but as I'm in it it's like no I really do want you to pray for it like it really matters that you that you pray so um, yeah definitely for us I mean for our girls we have. Uh, two, two, two girls. Um, one's going to be starting first grade and, and our younger one's going to be turning three. And so our first grader, she'll be moving in the middle of the school year. Um, and then we're expecting uh, a son in December. So there's a lot of just the, the, the emotional and spiritual health of our children, I think, is, is always something that you're you know considering. And, and again, church planning seems like a tension at every point where you're going, I want to set this example of following in faith, what God's calling us to do. And I also want my kids to know that I care about them and that I'm not just going to drag them around everywhere, you know? So, so I think praying for our kids would be a huge thing. Um, praying for us as we, we have a little bit of a long goodbye since we're not, we're, we're trying to, uh, to move in March of next year. So just that our relationships and, and those sorts of things. And then, and then the reason for that long goodbye is we are trying to raise money, uh, I've heard it said that in New England, it takes twice as long and costs twice as much money to plant a church. So we're maybe experiencing a little bit of the reality of that. Uh, so so there's uh, if you'd like to partner with us financially, that's always more than welcome. And then really, um, if, if there's anybody who knows somebody in New England or knows somebody who did know somebody in Connecticut, specifically New Haven, Connecticut, specifically, I'm willing to talk with, meet with, have coffee with anybody who might um, be interested and, and have some sort of relational uh, connection there. And, uh, and, and I would say those, those are the big things, you know. Um, so we're, we're telling people you could pray for us, give to us, and refer people and connect us to people. I think those are kind of the three categories we've, we've thought about. That's awesome. Man, thank you so much for sharing with us at Commission Over Coffee. Um, Mike, we're going to make sure everyone can get in touch with you. I'd like to pray for you as we close this out, and we will say goodbye. So I'm going to pray. Lord, you are so kind, and you rescue us by your sovereign prerogative, and we are amazed and caught in wonder at it. And Lord, as we are caught in your rescue, you send us as rescuers to proclaim the good news of Jesus who conquered all, Satan, sin, and death. Lord, as we proclaim that wondrous gospel of the cross of Jesus, we glory in his resurrection because of your beautiful work in this world as you continue to send us forward. I pray that Mike would be skilled with his hands and his heart and his feet 
and that you'd give him the right people in his life. And Lord, we know that you are good and you send people to do great and mighty things. Lord, crush his heart, break him where he needs to be broken and uh, turn him again to you for great joy. And Lord, we are so thrilled that you have saved us and we are thrilled that you are going to save sinners. Lord, you have promised to do so and we are rejoicing in it and continue to do so. Plant your church in our hearts and in the hearts of people. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Thank you again for being with us, Mike. We will be praying for you. And if you are listening to this and would like to get a hold of Mike, again, you can email him at mike.brunges at anabino.org or visit his website, thebrunges.com. If you have any recommendations for us at Commission Over Coffee or would like to be involved or support us, visit our website, commissionovercoffee.com, and uh, we'd love to touch base with you. So until next time, may the conversation continue.